starting at verse 27. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good. And lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be precious in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Is it time? The title of this sermon series has helped us to examine the question of what's next after we have decided to follow Jesus. Last week, we looked at the people who brought their friends and their neighbors to Jesus to be healed by his touch because they realized that the power of God was coming out from him. Is it time to touch him, we ask? Do we want to experience the healing that Jesus offers? Today's scripture follows directly after that part of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, where the blessings and the woes were given. And today our question is, is it time to turn the other cheek? Now I always have to ask, why do I end up with the weeks that have these, these tough scriptures? <laughs> I'm just saying. Now I have a question for you. It is not a rhetorical question, so I expect answers. If you put two toddlers in the middle of the floor and one toddler rips a toy away from the other toddler, what happens? Chaos. 
The toddler who had the toy taken away from him or her will do what? Well, they may scream or cry, but ultimately, what are they going to do? They're going to grab it back and probably say, mine. Well, what do you think would happen if two toddlers were sitting in the room and one toddler just smacked the other toddler? Okay, yeah, crying, 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 yeah. And then what? Smack back. Certainly, there may be tears involved and probably some amount of screaming, whether it's from the toddlers or maybe even parents. But still, whatever one toddler does to the other, the other toddler does back to him or her. This tit-for-tat, eye-for-an-eye principle has been ingrained in us since the 20th century BCE. That is 2000 BCE. That's a long time. This simple principle was practiced natural that is practiced naturally by toddlers was part of an ancient law code called Hammurabi's Code. It was called Lex Talionis, and that simply means the law of retribution. The law of retribution means that if I take a cow from you, you are due a cow from me. Whatever I do to you, you do back to me. This law was designed to provide equal payment to one who was wronged, equal damages. And essentially it says... Do to others what they have already done to you. Now, our scripture reading today, as I said, is part of Luke's Sermon on the Plain. And we actually read the first part of it last week. And let me recap that for you because Jesus, in this beginning of the Sermon on the Plain, painted an unconventional picture of the kingdom of heaven. In this kingdom, the reigning law, the law of retribution, would change. It wouldn't be about equal damages anymore. Instead, God's blessings were for the people that everyone else saw as not blessed. Like the poor, the hungry, the grief-stricken. Those people who were hated for loving Jesus. And in surprising contrast, woes were predicted for the rich, the full, the happy, the popular. Jesus repaints the image of the kingdom of heaven, and he repaints that image upside down to what the people expected. Today's reading begins with Jesus saying, but I say. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus repeatedly says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, as he is reinterpreting 
the law. Jesus takes a popular interpretation of the law and turns it on his head. He rejects the law of retributive justice in favor of the law of restorative justice. Instead of payback, Jesus calls for restoration. I say this, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Not do to others as they have already done to you, but do to others as you would have them do to you. The best example of how Jesus' way is possible comes to us from the most unlikely of places. The nation of South Africa was known for its apartheid, the systemic practice that economically and politically segregated its non-white population. But in 1994, apartheid ended with the establishment of democracy. Activist and religious leader Archbishop Desmond Tutu put it this way in his essay, No Future Without Forgiveness. He said, with all its imperfections, what we have tried to do in South Africa has attracted the attention of the world. Who in their right minds would have ever imagined South Africa to be an example of anything but the most ghastly awfulness of how not to order a nation's race relations and its governance. We South Africans were the unlikeliest lot. And that is precisely why God has chosen us. The end of apartheid and the beginning of restoration began when the South African nation decided to shift from doing to others what had been done to them to Christ's way of doing unto others as they would want things to be done to them. And it was the birth of hope in an unlikely place. Rwanda's genocide was one of the world's most horrible news stories in 1994. In 100 days, nearly 800 thousand people were murdered. A year after the genocide occurred and after some success in South Africa, Archbishop Desmond Tutu was invited to preach at a peace rally in Kigali. It was here that he likened Rwanda's history to that of the story of top dog and underdog. And this is how he put it, the top dog wants to cling to its privileged position and the underdog strives to topple the top dog. And when that happens, the new top dog engages in this crazed outpouring of retribution and revenge 
to pay back the new underdog for all the pain and suffering that they have inflicted on them while they were top dog. Consequently, the new underdog fought to topple the new top dog, storing in its memory all the pain and suffering that it was enduring, forgetting that the new top dog was in its view only retaliating for all that it had remembered and suffered while the underdog had been its master. It was a sad history of reprisal, provoking counter-reprisal. Archbishop Tutu told them that the cycle of reprisal and counter-reprisal had to be broken. The only way to get beyond this cycle of retributive justice to restorative justice was forgiveness. He told them, without forgiveness, there is no future. Ubuntu is a Zulu word for peace or harmony. Translated, it simply means, I am because we are. When we recognize and acknowledge that we are connected to all other humanity, that's the moment when we become fully human. We are family with all other human beings because as we were created in God's image, we were all created as children of God. Jesus showed us the way, the difficult way of resistance to retaliation, restoration over retribution when he hung on the cross, arms open wide, and asked God to forgive us because like toddlers, we did not understand what we were doing. But the good news is that in that difficult work of restoration, God makes resurrection take place. Resurrection is the gift and the grace of God in which he lifts us up with his son Jesus Christ, not for our glory, but for God's glory. Jesus' way works. It isn't easy to reconcile. It seems easier to hate, retaliate, and get revenge. The desire to be top dog had 2,000 years to work its way into our bones. Restoration and reconciliation take work. Cooperation from both sides. Turning the other cheek is not allowing oneself to be walked on. It is an active choice to resist the desire for revenge, retaliation, and retribution. And as my husband would ask, well, so what? With all that's going on in the world, with all that's going on in our nation, with all that's going on in our church, 
with all that might be going on in our jobs, in our families, in our communities, and maybe even at home. We must remember that Christ offers the better way. When I was researching for my sermon this week, I came across the message paraphrase. And it's a different statement of these verses that really helped me anchor in to what that means. And so that's what I'm going to leave us with today. But I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and not fall asleep. Close your eyes and listen to the words in a new way. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and go do it for them. If you love only the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners can do that. If you help only those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, Love your enemies. Help and give without respecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we are at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. You can open your eyes. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. Giving, not getting, is the way. Living as a servant leader is countercultural. 
but it is the way that Christ calls us to lead. And this is not a call to passive compliance. Rather, it is a call to radical resistance of retaliation. Is it time? Is it time, we ask ourselves? Is it time to turn the other cheek? Amen.